Hello listener, Michael from the future here. I'm Michael Tucker, creator of the YouTube channel Lessons from the Screenplay and host of this podcast, Beyond the Screenplay. Beyond the Screenplay is a conversation show where the same LFTS team that makes our videos, Trisha Rand, Brian Bittner, Alex Cayeros, and I, talk about movies. We enthusiastically discuss what we love about them and occasionally what we don't like, but always what we learn from them. So you don't need to listen to the show in any particular order. I encourage you to jump around and find episodes on films or TV shows you love, or our conversations with guests you're interested in. You won't really be missing anything except the evolution of a couple inside jokes, which honestly I think you'll be able to get pretty quickly. Also, as with most podcasts, we've evolved a lot since we first started, and the format of the show has gotten much more focused as time has passed. What I'm saying is, it takes us a few episodes to find our footing, and we're always learning how to best serve our audience. If you end up enjoying the show and want even more episodes, our Beyond the Screenplay Patreon has monthly patron-exclusive episodes waiting for you. That's where you'll find our episodes on Pirates of the Caribbean, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, No Country for Old Men, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Rise of Skywalker, and many others. Thanks for your interest and Beyond the Screenplay, and now on to the Shaun of the Dead. Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome to Beyond the Screenplay. In this episode, we'll be exploring Edgar Wright's 2004 film, Shaun of the Dead, and why everything in a story should begin with character. Today, I'm joined by the Lessons from the Screenplay team, writer Trisha Arand. Hello, Michael. Writer Brian Bittner. Hello. And editor Alex Cayeros. Hi, Michael. (laughs) Uh, Cool. So let's just jump right in. Uh, So, Brian, it was your idea. You were the one that pitched me to do Shaun of the Dead. Why did you want to cover Shaun of the Dead? Uh, Shaun of the Dead is a movie that uh, I I loved when I first saw it. I just thought it was funny and I really enjoyed it. But there was always some little bits that stuck with me. And part of it was the slow building of the zombie apocalypse in the way that you don't always get in a lot of zombie movies. It's just now there's zombies. You know, <laughs> this was mm-hmm. sort of like it felt a little more real in the in the way that it built everything. And it slowly this guy is sick and this guy is fainting and like, oh, now there's, you know, um and uh and a few other things just like the character moments i always thought were really real and i think horror these days is a little different than it was in 2004 but i think back then especially you didn't get that many horror movies where the where the big moments like someone you know relative dying or something were that emotional they were sort of like they sucked mm-hmm. and then move on you know and uh, and i always really liked how Shaun of the dead just really felt kind of raw and pure in that sense uh for as much of a silly movie as it is. So I think uh, just a combination of those things really made me want to, to explore it and look at it a little deeper. Yeah, revisiting it, it was interesting how it, it is kind of a blend of all these genres mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't, I don't, either I didn't pick up on the first time or I just wasn't, had forgotten. But it was interesting to see the comedy meeting the sort of romantic plot line, meeting the, you know, zombie horror, but also like drama and emotional, like character stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Trisha wants to speak. <laughs> There's been some okay. discussion on there, our, on yeah, our Slack channel say, this week. Let's get this elephant out of the room. Um, so the very first thing I need to say about this movie is that I went about it in completely the wrong way. I did not see this movie in 2004 when it came out. And I did not see this movie at any point in between 2004 and two days ago. Uh, so, but I did see, and, and it, I actually don't think I have, I think I've only seen two Edgar Wright movies total. Which ones? Which are Hot Fuzz and this movie. And I saw Hot Fuzz first. Okay. And uh, this guy that I was seeing was like, you should really see Hot Fuzz. You'll really, really like it because he knows how much I love action movies. Action is like one of my favorite genres to watch. I write a lot of action as well. Like I'm obsessed with action movies. And I was like, ooh, it's a parody of an action movie. Like, yes, I do want to see this. I think I'm going to really love it. And he thought I was going to really love it. But what he didn't tell me about it is that it's not really quite all the way a parody of an action movie. It's also a horror movie. Like Hot Fuzz has a lot of elements. Are you new? (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen all of Hot Fuzz. So I didn't know that about it either. Because there's... They're investigating like a murder in this like little town and there's a serial killer. Yes. Or there's like 
it's kind of slashery. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know how much we want to spoil it, but there sorry, are, <laughs> so, some there are people being killed. There are people being killed in this town, um, and so and there, it's an Edgar Wright movie. Apparently, this is a thing we can expect. But there's like gore. There's this, you know, it's cartoony, but it's gore. Yeah. Um, and I do not like gore, and I do not like horror movies, and so I was like, action movie, I'm ready for it. And then there's so much blood, and I'm just like. I don't like this at all, yeah. actually. Uh, and that just kind of turned me off completely. And then, so that did not go back and see Shaun of the Dead. And then, like, I made the critical error of being a part of this channel that wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, no, but what I'm trying error. to say is Brian was already way deep into writing the script. And so I was reading drafts of Brian's script about a movie I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. So then all of these wonderful jokes that are part of the video are in the script. So then I'm ready for them when I go to watch Shaun of the Dead two days ago. <laughs> so like now it's not funny because I know it's coming. Right. Yeah. And I just and then again, I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim. I, I didn't see Baby Driver. I just like I've done this absolutely the wrong way. <laughs> so <laughs> so I didn't like this movie, <laughs> but that's probably my fault. We can get into it. but It's a very p fair point about Hot Fuzz, though, because I am not someone who's bothered by gore and that kind of thing. Yeah. But it to me, it feels out of place in that movie. It's like this fun movie. And then it's like when people die, it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, that's like a right. you know thing through their head and you see everything. And, yeah. I'm like, and mm -hmm. if, if I was watching Hostel or something, I'd be like, it's fine. But because I'm watching like a Shaun of the Dead-esque movie, I'm like, this is intense you know so i, I totally get it, especially if you're not comfortable with that i just thought it seemed tone confused mm -hmm. like really mm -hmm. are you trying to make a parody of an action movie or, or or say something about the action genre or are you trying to say something about the horror genre and it seems like this one doesn't hot fuzz doesn't really know but we're not here to talk about hot fuzz so <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure we will. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, of course. How can you not talk about the filmography? Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead, I didn't really like it either. Like, I, I think it had been Ooh. hyped up for me. And mm -hmm. then I saw it and it was like kind of disappointing. And like, I didn't quite Did get it. Did you see it. it in theaters? No, I didn't see it in theaters. I feel like, I feel like, Alex, it was when I was visiting you in LA before I moved down. Oh, yeah. Like eight years ago or whatever it was did we watch or did ryan show it to you or i remember uh. distinctly going to a blockbuster <gasps> and renting it and it wait, might wait hold on. Be... we still had those when we lived in la yeah i but i think it was literally the last movie i may have rented from a blockbuster was oh, God. that's how much you didn't like, like <laughs> i can't believe i can't believe that we still had those yeah. when I lived in LA. i've been in la a long time now yeah man it's okay weird. i mean they God were bless. dying but there was still one left <laughs> yeah um, anyway, but I feel like it, it was kind of overhyped for me. And I think the humor aspect of it, like the British humor thing is very hard for me. Same. Uh, and so <laughs> a, a lot of the humor was lost the first time around and I couldn't understand what they were saying and stuff. So I think sure. reading the screenplay and watching it with subtitles the second time helped me get it a lot more. I actually, I really appreciated watching it with subtitles because I think I may have missed a lot of good stuff in my first viewing of it. I, I don't remember my first viewing super well because it was a long time ago, but I really, really appreciated it the second time around watching it recently for this episode. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of that was just being able to read every single line of dialogue. And so I got every, you know, callback, every just sense of kind of like rhythm and humor in that in that piece and yeah it's it's it was like classic great Edgar Wright humor which I really appreciated mm -hmm. Michael I think you felt victim to uh, what I call the sideways problem which is Ooh. when that movie came out literally everyone I've talked to who saw that movie pre-hype loved it and everyone mm -hmm. who saw oh, it post-hype yeah. of which I am a member was like this movie's not that good <laughs> Right. And right. It, but it's like, that's that's the weird thing with hype, you know? But I think Sideways was one of those movies that was so polarizing. And it's almost like everyone who saw it on one side of the hype or the other, like, had a very different experience with it. I had an inverse Sideways experience then when I saw Suicide Squad. Because I saw it after everyone was like, this is universally the worst movie ever. Right, right. Oh. And I went one afternoon by myself. I had a free Arclight ticket. And I was like, you know what? Here I go. And I was like, yeah. Okay, I enjoyed myself. It wasn't that bad. Wow. I mean, it's really bad. It's Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, Expectations. Yeah. But yeah, so watching it again, I think 
you know, reading your script, Brian, and talking to you about the things that you wanted to talk about, I think it did, it is a good example of how you can have all this crazy style Edgar Wright directing, like there's zombies, there's all these elements, but it is all connected to telling this character story. And I feel like that was a good uh, way to come into it. And also this is kind of the first time we've talked about comedy directly mm -hmm. in the channel. Mm -hmm. um, so I was a little um, apprehensive a little bit about covering that because comedy is so subjective in a lot of ways. I feel like you did a good job identifying how uh, the comedy objectively serves the story and the characters and all that stuff. Thank you. And I think there's a difference between this movie is funny and these are moments of comedy. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to think the joke is funny to recognize it's a joke. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would be careful. I know that I've heard you say this a couple of times now that comedy is subjective and I don't disagree, but I think that there are plenty of well-studied comics and comedians out there right. to, for whom it is science to, you know, to some extent that like, you know, whether a joke lands or not, sure. But there is definitely study that goes into writing great comedy. Yeah. Uh, just like there is, you know, I guess you could say in some ways art is subjective, but at the same time, obviously there's expertise that has to be like honed. For sure. I think what's weird about comedy for me is I think there are, you know, when you're trying to tell a joke, I feel like there is a form and a structure that you can kind of look at and see like, was this pulled off? Was the setup right for the punchline and all that stuff? But like when Dick Van Dyke walks into his house and trips over his ottoman, mm -hmm. like I laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, I don't, I don't know that that's objectively funny. Like right. I understand why other people don't find physical humor funny. And I feel like there's versions of that in like in the boundaries of comedy where just some things some people find really funny and others don't right and then when he sidesteps the ottoman and doesn't fall over it then again it's funny, it's and, so funny. and even if you even if not everyone thinks it's funny you understand why it's a joke right. it's a joke because you're expecting him to trip and he doesn't you know things like that yeah and that's kind of what i mean about like yes it's it's subjective whether or not you think it's funny but it's not subjective in terms of like did they make a joke in a formulaic comedic sense as trisha was talking about mm. I think there is a big part of the comedy of this movie that I I really struggled with because I may, again maybe I was like I'm I'm like too ready for the joke right or sure. something like that where it's like I'm like okay make me laugh and you know feeling like anxiety about it or or like being going into it thinking like oh everyone thinks this is screaming funny and whatever and then it just for some reason that kind of humor doesn't land with me and I think a lot of that is just my own what I find funny and not. And that's every person's, you know, that's every person's just like personal preference. For example, I don't find fart jokes funny. And yet there's a recurring one at the heart of this thing, as you point out. And I'm just like, it wasn't funny ever. Um, <laughs> I also, I also never find vomit funny in movies. And a lot of people do apparently. Right. But I never, anytime somebody vomits in a movie, I'm like, this is horrifying. Why, why would anybody think it's funny? And all so many gross out comedies are just like, I can't, I, like I can't. We have very similar tastes in comedy because I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I mean, me too. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't find vomit funny? No, I don't. Do you? But I think the one time I found it funny was in Team America World Police. When Actually, he, maybe. When he, just keeps <laughs> when he just keeps vomiting. Oh, it's, it, it's like almost like a joke on the joke. Well, it's the family guy trick of like doing something like showing the fam whole family puking and then keep it keeps going for 45 seconds. And you're like, it wasn't it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. Now I'm laughing and I don't know why. Right. Exactly. It's that <laughs> they, kind of they humor. exhaust yeah. you into it. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I feel like you know, the, the type of humor in an Edgar Wright movie, especially Shaun of the Dead or, or Scott Pilgrim, it's this certain kind of humor for me where it's not so much laugh out loud as it is almost this kind of like just almost like clean satisfaction of you know, the smoothness of his filmmaking and it's all just kind of like happening so crisply, like the way the callbacks happen is so just like perfectly timed and the way the shots are flowing into each other. And it just, it's a kind of humor where it's almost, yeah, it's not like a laugh out loud humor, but it's like a, for me, it's like a satisfying, yes, you pulled off that perfect callback in this fluid sequence. Right. That is exactly like how I wanted it to be. Like, thank you. Like, good job like it but i'm not like laughing right it's just like yes like how awesome you did that it's something i noticed watching like monty python movies in college where i'd watch the movie with a friend i like had never seen like holy grail or something and watch it and i'd be like okay 
Like I, I can appreciate it. And there were some moments that made me laugh. And then I'd find myself over the next two weeks, remembering moments and talking about moments with people and being like, that was really funny. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, that's a weird British humor thing where right. it's like, sometimes it's, it's like more clever than it is funny in some ways. It's, yeah. It's cleverness. I feel like there's, there's a deep cleverness in it that is really satisfying for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're saying, like on all of the levels, like in the writing, there's cleverness and the directing, there's cleverness and the mm -hmm. sound is like. Yes. Edgar Wright films like are firing on all those cylinders and right. they are yeah. definitely very clever and sometimes also really funny. And, and, you, mm -hmm. and you feel like you're in the hands of somebody who's in control of everything he's doing. That's that's what I really liked about watching Shaun of the Dead again. And what I really love about Scott Pilgrim, because that movie feels impossible the way <laughs> it's, you know, it just everything flows into the next like a, you know, some kind of graphic come to life. Yeah, I just it feels like he of what he's when he's doing what he's doing. It's like he's 100% in control and every shot has been thought out every transition has been thought out and yeah. I just really like that experience and I will say the one like point in watching Shaun of the Dead where I was giggling and I was just like <laughs> chuckling to myself is that is the long shot where he's hung over and he comes yeah. out and like goes across the street and gets the cornetto and comes back that whole time as it was building you can see the zombies staggering around and I was just like okay I like this <laughs> this joke I like because it is it's it's a cleverness it's that directorial uh, and it is. It's that one long take. It's a directorial stylistic joke where it's like, we showed you this thing. You didn't know what it was. And now you can see what it is. And and it is also, I was going to say this earlier. I, I don't remember where I read this. I need to look it up. But it was this idea that comedy is really like a character, characters with a lack of self-awareness. And I feel like that is kind of the heart of who Sean is. He has no mm -hmm. awareness mm -hmm. of of either hit like what he really needs and wants, which we talk about in the video, but but really of his surroundings and of the stakes of the choices that he's making. So like the stakes of him, it's this it's the whole thing where like Charlie Chaplin is like on a house in a house in, you know, Alaska and it's balancing on the edge of a cliff as he's like running back and forth. But he doesn't know that. We mm. know that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's almost like a dramatic irony. But yeah. A, right. Comedic yeah, yeah, yeah. irony right. or something. Exactly. And yeah. so that that moment in Shaun of the Dead where that's happening, it's so mm. it is so kind of Charlie Chaplin y where you're just like, he's so hapless, right? Or he's he's on the edge of a cliff and he doesn't know it, but we do. Um, I loved that sequence. Yeah. Well, and then uh, your very first draft of the video, there was more about like, you know, rules of comedy. Or what, what was the source? that you It's, it's a book called The Hidden Tools of Comedy. Um, Steve Kaplan, I believe, is the name of the author, but I'll have to double check that. Um, and uh, it'd be great to... Uh, to use this in a future video, maybe talk more about a comedy like where comedy is the focus of a video, even though that would be challenging. It could be mm -hmm. a fun challenge. Um, but yeah, he talks about, he says comedy is a, a guy or girl um, who, I'm not going to remember the exact quote, but basically who is up against something impossible and doesn't have the tools to know how to use it, you know? Um, and then it talks about like drama helps you deal with who you could be and comedy helps you deal with who you are and you know there were certain things like that mm -hmm. so we kind of went into the intro of the third section talking about here's kind of what the very basic rules of comedy are but he talked a little about comedy coming from character and comedy coming from the world and that's what I was focusing on in this mm. video so it was really nice and then just by the time I got around to the second draft I thought I felt like we can say all this without really needing that quote so it kind of got taken out but we're just um, gonna steal those ideas not quite anybody <laughs> well it was, <laughs> it, was, it was it was a combination of what was already being yeah, yeah, said yeah. in the video you know so I took it out as a sort of I'm going to take it out and see what Michael says. And then it sort of, I think neither of us missed it. So it just kind of didn't need to be there. This was the first time my first draft was too much rather than too little. A lot of times my first draft mm -hmm. is like seven pages instead of 10 or 11. I'm like, just see what works and then we'll expand. And this we one was the like, problem. <laughs> well, that, but that was what I had this time was I was like, here's like eight ideas. And then I'm going to put it all together in a way that kind of flows. And then we'll start picking and choosing from there. Um, but uh, this was also one where my first draft, you look at the, or even the first outline I sent you, it was pretty close to what ended up happening. So that was a, was a pretty smooth <laughs> video this time. Yeah. I think what made me be open to comedy what were these ideas that you were exploring of you know the character reacting to the world and Shaun of the Dead is such a good example of <laughs> a character and a crazy world and you can very clearly see like this is the character and like these are you know this is his weakness this is his need this is his desire and then the world is zombies and like it's just a very clear cut and so it serves I think it's, it's a good example for a lesson and it, it was it was cool reading something and like kind of learning that in the process which mm -hmm. is which is fun 
just a side note it's fun having you guys as writers can now i get to learn from the videos <laughs> right also. oh yeah that is an interesting thing that i hadn't thought about well you were teaching yourself which is you know, right exactly that's what all and it's it's fun for me too to to write about a movie that i that i love and have seen you know 10 times or something and go yeah i never appreciated that this is why this works so well or um and the cool thing writing the first draft of the script or even the first outline was I was thinking about the three different things, one of which was the character moments felt very real, one of which was the zombie world felt there was sort of a realism to it, both in the slow reveal of the world mm -hmm. and of the fact that like they're using cricket bats and records because like, mm -hmm. what, what are you going to use? You right. know, um, it's and odd how no one in that world has like a kitchen knife. <laughs> right. <laughs> not one kitchen knife in that entire well, that's, town. That's kitchen well, knives aren't he funny. He is cutting bread in they that really one scene. They really are funny. Oh, you're right. Oh, that, and he holds it, like, and, you know, but then they leave it behind. And I feel like it's kind of, that's part of the comedy also is like, these are characters that don't think about it. And right. 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 They, right. they always the grab the kind of not very useful <laughs> weapon. Like, right. You know, exactly. Pool sticks or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing being the uh, the callback humor and, and the way sort of some of the comedy is. And then the more I started like looking through screenwriting material and finding quotes, the more I started realizing like, oh, these kind of fit together really well, which is start with the character, introduce a world that is based on the character. And then the comedy comes from how that character deals with the world. And that was the one thing I really appreciated was how the callbacks are. The first time you hear the joke, it's about the character. The second time you hear it, it's now in the context of the story world. So I do feel like there's this movie does seem to be famous for the Edgar Wrighty callback things or, right. or like right. you know, the monologue of we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then like that's what happens in the plot of the film. But it's we can I don't remember the exact. Line, well, that's yeah, that's the, a deeper cut. Maybe not. You guys didn't even like it's one of those things that most people only know about when they look on like IMDb trivia right. and they're like, the oh, okay. Movie details. Right. Reddit. Yeah. Because Ed's plan, he's like, okay, tomorrow we're going to have a Bloody Mary first thing in the morning mm -hmm. and then we're going to take a bite at the King's head and then we're going to stagger back to the Winchester for shot, you know, and there's more to it than yeah. that. And then the next day is you've got Bloody Mary in the garden and then uh, uh... Philip, you know, King Philip gets, gets bitten and then they stagger, they walk, do the zombie walk towards the Winchester for a different kind of shots than, than uh, they were intended. All right. You know? Look, all right. I might not, have, might not have watched any other Edgar Wright films, but I definitely did go to the IMDb page right. and the Wikipedia page and I definitely did read all of them. Uh -huh. <laughs> you should see Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I think it's so really underrated or not seen enough. Yeah. I will say that maybe you guys are him, or I'm not even sure. Maybe the universe is getting the last laugh on me here, though, because I actually do want to see Scott Pilgrim now, which I didn't really care about before. And I did already kind of want to see Baby Driver, but I like really want to see Baby Driver now. So even though I didn't like this movie, I'm still like, I want to, I'm going to posture this as a scholar. I would, <laughs> I would like to know more about this filmmaker and, <laughs> and why he is appealing to so many people. <laughs> He really, he really, he won my heart with Scott Pilgrim. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because Baby Driver, I feel like, was a disappointment for me. And I Ooh. feel like kind of, and that might not be a popular thing to say on the internet. I think Baby Driver <laughs> was a disappointment for a lot of Edgar Wright fans specifically. Interesting. It's like if you went into Baby Driver being like, I'm just going to check out this action movie. It was mm -hmm. fun for people. But mm. for people like me who was like, oh, this isn't the first Edgar Wright movie in quite a while. I was like, eh. So I will like Baby Driver though. Exactly. Perfect. Possibly. Right. Well, Perfect. I feel like it has it is a more lot straight of, up action. I'm here for yeah, it. Yeah. I, I feel like it had tonal problems for me also where I couldn't figure out like, is it a comedy or is it an action movie? And it's taking itself very seriously with the action and the drama and you clearly want me to care. But there's also like Edgar Wright style things happening that's right. making it light and fun. But also that was murder, and so yeah, that was, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that was that was a hard one. I me. also love the movie Drive, which w made it a little to be like, do we need another like musical, like music driven oh, wait, movie about up. a driver? Is, is Baby Driver like Drive? It is nothing like I really Drive. Hated drive yeah. a no, lot. it is. It totally is nothing like Drive, except that it's like it feels like. It feels like if you describe the plot of both movies, they would sound like the same movie. Okay. If you watched any given scene from either movie, they'd be very different, you know. Uh, but it's just it's that kind of thing where you have a lot of you have a lot of repeating kind of ideas in Hollywood these days. So sometimes you see something and you're like, I would love that movie if I didn't see movie X three years ago that was kind of the same idea, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah. If you're anything like me, you love diving deeper into subjects that interest you. Which is why I'm excited to say that this episode of Beyond the Screenplay is brought to you by CuriosityStream. 
CuriosityStream is a subscription streaming service that offers over 2,000 documentaries and nonfiction titles from some of the world's best filmmakers. If you're a fan of science fiction like me, I think you'll really enjoy their series Destination Mars, which goes into detail about how extremely difficult but awesome it will be to get humans to Mars. CuriosityStream is available worldwide and on many platforms, including Apple TV, Roku, Android, Xbox One, iOS, Chromecast, Amazon Kindle, and more. You can get unlimited access starting at just $2.99 a month. And for our Beyond the Screenplay audience, the first 30 days are completely free if you sign up at curiositystream.com screenplay and use the promo code screenplay during the sign-up process. Once again, that's curiositystream.com screenplay. Thanks to CuriosityStream for supporting the show and helping us launch Beyond the Screenplay. So one of the things we talk about in the video is uh, like how the supporting characters are expressions of the protagonist. And I feel like it worked out really nicely that they are very clear versions of, Mm -hmm. you know, the protagonist's weakness. Uh, You know, he's too lazy. He's not taking control of his life. He's moving through the world as if he were a zombie. It's very clever. Edgar Wright and I got Peg. it. I got, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that is his roommate. Ed is, you know, all those things times a million. And that his other roommate, Pete, is his need, which is the very, you know, responsible, blah, blah, blah thing times a million. And I feel like that was something that, again, I didn't catch the first time, but mm-hmm. watching it the second time, it was, I was impressed by how much time they spent um, really clearly establishing those things and how that does serve to make you really quickly understand who Sean is, who his friends are, and like what this journey is going to be. Right. And I feel like it And where been... he lives between these two extremes, you know. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it, it would have been very easy for them to, you know, just make a fun zombie action comedy movie and not put that effort into that character stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake a lot of young screenwriters make, uh, which is thinking that like, and especially these days where we worry that our audience has such a short attention span, right? Where like we have to, we have to start the plot on, you know, page zero and whatever, but it's like, you know, what we need on, on the very first page is we need the characters. Um, and, and, you know, obviously action is character. You need some kind of action to indicate who your characters are and everything like that, but you don't need your zombie or your gunslinger or your alien invasion on page one. You absolutely don't. You can wait on that as long as you're building and building and building in. I mean, you know, it's like when we were doing Jurassic Park, we were talking about this and I was like, I would, I just realized we don't see any velociraptors. We don't see any velociraptors until like the last 20 minutes like the of the act. movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because we don't need to. We're we're working on all of these characters and we're working our way through this like thematic thing and through this world and stuff like that. And so like bombarding the audience with like, here's a monster. You you don't have to do that actually if you're spending the time telling the story and that starts in the characters. Like I feel like so many modern comedies seem to be like, this is a scene where we had all the actors sit down and then they improvised and tried to right. make everybody yeah. on set laugh a lot. And then we edited it together and now you're watching it. But there aren't like jokes. There isn't structure. It's not like. It's not constructed. It's right, not, you right. don't feel like you're in the hands of like, ooh, I'm in the hands of a really good storyteller, filmmaker. Right. Taking me on a ride. It's it's not that. I, I was thinking about the Apatow camp a little when, when I was thinking about Shaun of the Dead. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, I like those movies and I think the jokes are funny, but they're funny sort of in and of themselves and it's like you said just Mm -hmm. some guys making jokes but it's not the jokes aren't necessarily coming from character or plot or anything like that they're just funny jokes in a movie and that's fine in in moderation but i think that was something that i really appreciated about Shaun of the dead was that most of the humor came as a direct result of the elements that that Mm -hmm. make the film what it is yeah it it feels very on purpose Mm -hmm. they're making a joke yeah and i yeah i like that i responded i think that's why i like 30 rock so much because it's just like there's just jokes constantly but they're like clear like they sat down and they wrote jokes right like what a novel idea for a comedy right and and jokes (laughs) again based on characters right Mm -hmm. based on these well-established well formed very complex characters that that work because they are revealing something about the character even as they're making us laugh Mm -hmm. right so like one of my favorite things in 30 rock is um 
like Tina Fey sitting there eating cheese, right? And she's like, night cheese. And <laughs> but it is, it's so, it, you know, she's this like lonely professional woman who's just eating cheese in her apartment at night and singing to herself, which in her sweatpants, <laughs> which I love the most. But it is telling us something about her while making us laugh. Right. Um, and for that reason, like we love her more as a character. We understand her better as a character and we're amused by it. All three at the same time. And if you're really doing that, then you are writing proper comedy. You're not just writing a fart joke out of nothing. Right. Right. And one of the things I, I love about Tina Fey's book, what's the name of that? Miss Boss, Boss Pants? Boss, Boss Pants. Pants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She talks about when she was kind of coming up with the idea for 30 Rock, creating this kind of triangle of characters between Liz Lemon and Jack Donaghy and Tracy Morgan mm -hmm. and how they were this perfect triangle where they would never ever all agree on any topic like yes. race and sex and workplace and money and like all of it there would never be any situation where they would agree and so it was just ripe for comedy yeah. so you could just introduce a thing and there'd be conflict immediately and like right that was just a yeah a really good mechanism to generate storylines and yeah comedy. what a great example of start with the characters and then the conflict will will make itself and then you know and the, and and the, the comedy exactly itself. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one quick thing I wanted to say about uh, what you were talking about, Tricia, of the, the slow build of, mm -hmm. you know, not everything happens to, has to happen on page one uh, and everything. I think that's what I love about Shaun of the Dead is you spend these time with, this time with these characters and then when things happen to them, it means more. And I think uh, that is something that I don't love a lot of horror movies, but the ones I do do that really well. The Exorcist, I think, is probably a really good example of... I watched The Exorcist with a friend who hadn't seen it before and 20 minutes in like Reagan and her mom are like rolling around on the floor tickling each other and he's like this is mm -hmm. The Exorcist <laughs> but it's like yeah then once she gets possessed just wait. It, right you're like, you're like but I've spent like 20 to 30 minutes with this lovely mother and daughter who just seem like the happiest people in the world mm -hmm. The Shining does that a little but yeah. it's a little more sinister right off the bat but still there's this sort of sense of like let's show some normal people living a sort of normal innocent life and then once you've had time to appreciate that and time to know these characters it's not kids on spring break and they're all you know doing drugs and sleeping with each other and then someone starts killing him you're like okay i'm rooting for the killer you know it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but it is like that is a great thing is once you once you spend some time really getting people to to love the characters or care about what care about the fact that they care about people in their lives then when you start putting them in danger it affects you in such a deeper way than it would otherwise mm -hmm. yeah that was Making the comparison between, you know, comedy and horror, that was something that Jordan Peele talked about a lot when he was directing Get Out, mm -hmm. is that, like, he felt more equipped to go to horror because it is kind of built on a lot of the same concepts as far as, like, timing and really setting up, you know, an idea to then, like, you know, reverse the expectations in a certain way. So I thought that was an interesting comparison of comedy and horror kind of being in the same ballpark and... Well, yeah, Hard and, and Shaun well. of the Dead is an example. There, we've seen versions of these two genres, right? They, it does feel like they are. There's kind of a fine line between them in some ways. Like thinking about this, this movie reminded me actually of um, Cabin in the Woods, which I actually really did like. Mm -hmm. Love Cabin in the Woods. I know. Absolutely so love that movie. Yes, yeah. so good. Yes, because I was like, but that is it is playing with like sort of horror tropes, expectations, that kind of thing, and not not a dissimilar way from Shaun of the Dead, right? Because it starts us off with the characters we're actually supposed to care about, which is those guys right in the opening shot, right? The um, the guys who work at the company, like right at the very beginning. Yeah. Those are the guys ultimately, right? And so it starts us right off with those guys and doesn't, you know, and then these other characters come, they fold into that whole plot line. We start to invest in whatever's happening over there right away. And so it does sort of the world then, is structured, built out of that mm -hmm. in a way that makes it uh, palatable, even for someone like me who doesn't like joy or blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I was thinking about it. Uh, it's an interesting thing because you, you mentioned horror and comedy as two genres that you tend to be wary of. And I think they probably are the two genres that it's a little more, they're a little uh, narrower in the sense of what they could be. Okay. Um, in the sense of like, if you say, let's go see a horror movie, let's go see a comedy, you kind of, your brain starts to go, I have a general sense of what this movie is going to be. Right. If you say, let's go see a drama or let's go see an action, it's like, that could mean anything. But, um, and I think it's like people saying, oh, I don't like country or rap or whatever. And it's like, 
well, they haven't heard all rap or all country, but there is a lot of it that fits a very specific box and yeah. they don't like what's in that box. So they're not willing to explore, explore other things. And my favorite comedies and my favorite horrors are movies that don't fit that box. Whenever, whenever I see something that's just sort of by the numbers, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care that much. But Does then... something scary still happen, though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not encouraging so you to watch these be. movies. Okay. I'm, but I'm saying for me, like, I have a lot of friends who love just horror movies in general. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. me, I'm like, I don't care if it's just like, here's some weird stuff that's happening. But if it is something where I feel like there is a deeper meaning and there is sort of character and there is a lot more going on, mm -hmm. uh, 28 Days Later, I think, is a great example of a movie where yeah it's a horror movie but there's so much more dealing and by the end the humans are more threatening than than the creatures yeah. are and that makes a very clear point about certain things et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. so i love it because of the ways it's not a horror movie in some ways mm -hmm. but i think that those are two genres that tend to get very pigeonholed with what they are yeah well and it's interesting you bring up 28 days later because uh i was being reminded that so this is 2004 Shaun of the dead 28 days later is 2002. And so it was, mm, right it was clearly, that. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It was clearly right there. And then Resident Evil, I think, was also 2002. <laughs> Everyone's favorite zombie movie, isn't it? And the Dawn of the Dead remake was also 2002. And the, yeah, yeah, and Dawn of the Dead There's also was happening right there. There's a zombie period for sure. Yeah. yeah, and so clearly these things are, these films are speaking to each other, obviously, yeah. in a way. And actually, I like 28 Days Later okay when I was peering through my fingers at it. Uh -huh. um, but I love Danny Boyle, so yeah. I was going to mm -hmm. love that movie probably. There, there was a story with, uh, with Shaun of the Dead where Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg did the show Spaced, uh -huh. and they did a zombie scene. And at, driving home after that, they were like, we should – we should do more of this. Let's make a movie of this. Uh, so they started like writing Shaun of the Dead and thinking about it and everything. And then, you know, I think Edgar Wright calls up Simon Pegg one day and he's like, Danny Boyle's doing a zombie movie. <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> and, um, only and that, one you can make. Right. And I think they were talking about having fast zombies too. Fast zombies. And then, you know, then Dawn of the Dead remake was start, started to be made and they were just like, oh man, like this is so <laughs> bad. Uh, and then I think eventually they, they just stuck with stuck with their guns. George Romero ended up seeing it and loved the movie and everything. Mm -hmm. So they felt like, you know, I'm glad they like stuck with it, but it was a weird time to, <laughs> to have a lot of the same thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Talking about comedy and horror again, I, f I feel like one of the things that's I think about a lot with those two genres is that they are, they are kinds of movies that are trying to elicit a reaction from people, right? Like you're trying to yeah. make the audience scared or yeah. you're trying to make the audience laugh. And I think there are like, there are ways of doing that that I respect and I think comes from mastery of the form. And I feel like there's really cheap ways of doing it. Hard agree. <laughs> and I feel like that's those are the kind of comedies or horror films that I don't like. Because I feel like mm -hmm. if you if you're if your goal is to just make someone cower and look away in fear and disgust, I feel like that's not hard. No. Just show someone's leg being sawed off and don't cut away. Like make it as gory as possible. And you've made people look away disgusted or like use a bunch of, you know, gross bathroom humor and people mm -hmm. will start laughing out of discomfort and they can't believe what's happening. But just because people are laughing doesn't mean that like what you did is funny. In, yeah. in my opinion. Anyway. Right, yes. for sure. And I feel like that's, that's I think, the bad rap that I think those genres can fall into and why it's – and I feel like it's hard to do it what I'm going to call the right way. And I think that's why we see <laughs> so well, well, Michael, it's interesting because you know, something you mentioned recently, we were talking about, you know, just you know, writing these lessons from the screenplay videos, um, how you're always looking for the quote-unquote objective – kind of takeaway that you can kind of conclude with in these videos and, and that's always like you're, look, you're looking for a certain objectivity in everything that you're doing and so it's interesting because I feel like that's what you're talking about here too it's like can we find some objective like plut like platonic truth about you know comedy or horror or these things that if you respect that truth and kind of like bring that into your work 
that's what makes it a masterful work, not just kind of like the surface level cheap stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, and I will say, I I don't like horror movies as a rule, but I do draw a line between horrors and thrillers because I feel like horrors, and, and I agree that there's a lot of overlap and stuff, and there's a reason why like horror slash thriller is like a genre. Um, but I will say that like, it's the the like gore stuff as you were saying, it's easy to do, um, and it it doesn't necessarily scare anybody. Like it, it'll make you sick to your stomach, maybe, or it'll be like, I don't like, you know, I don't like it. Whatever, I don't believe it. I don't think any of that's actually happening. Obviously, it's movie magic. But to actually frighten someone, like in such a way, and I don't like being frightened, but people who do in such a way where they then can't go to sleep that night, right? That requires more work, talent. Like it requires some kind of knowledge of film language, filmmaking, all of that kind of stuff, human right. psychology, right. you know, all of that, that I think isn't easy to just phone in. Um, and so even though I don't like horror movies, thrillers that actually do sort of really kind of, uh, I don't know if scares, thrill is the word we're looking for. Make you feel I, stressed I do, out. Yeah, yeah. yes, you, yes, yes. You feel legitimately stressed out in the theater because it's like, oh my God, I right. I physically feel stressed. Yeah, that's, right. that's always impressive to me. Exactly. Yeah. I do love that because I, I am recognizing, even as it's happening to me, that while that emotion might not be pleasant, that there is some form of art being presented here that is affecting me. Yeah, I feel like... Alien is my go-to yeah. example of like a horror thriller that See, like I love Alien. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Like I remember watching it as a child and just coming to the conclusion that if I were alone on a spaceship with an alien, I would kill myself because I could not deal with the stress of trying to survive. <laughs> and like, you just blow it out the airlock, Michael. Well, a lot of things have to go right in order for that to happen. And I don't want to deal with it, so let's just we'll just end it now. But I, but I feel like it it. You know, it made me have that psychological self-examination yeah. from watching that film <laughs> mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think Saw 4 would ever do for me. Right. Yeah. And there's also, I think, Alien's a good example. I think Jaws is a good example mm -hmm. of um, the imagination of uh, being more terrifying than anything. Yeah. Right. right. I think yes, yes, the yes. most scared I've ever been of a movie was Three Men and a Baby when I heard about the ghost in it, but I had never even seen it. But I Whoa. was just, I was like, you know, nine or 11 or who, who, like some age a numerical age. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and I heard about it and I would like freaked out for like 24 hours or something, you know, cause I would like, was imagining that there was this, that, you know, VHS, you can't even pause well to see it in the first place yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's something like a video I would love to do is something like silence of the lambs versus Hannibal where in Silence mm -hmm. of the Lambs, all of the scary stuff is just talked about uh, for the most part, and it just mm -hmm. lives in your brain, and mm -hmm. that's yeah. scary. And in Hannibal, it's like, let's show you a bunch of gory stuff, and you're like, nah, I don't care anymore, and right. this isn't exciting, and it's not thrilling. It's not, yeah. you know, sort of grabbing my imagination in the same way. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, growing up, I had so many nightmares about movies I hadn't seen uh -huh. that mm -hmm. someone told me about, and they're like, this horrifying <laughs> thing happens. The killer's in the closet, and I'm like, now I, now I just can't use my closet anymore. Like, I don't know what I'm <laughs> supposed to do. It just that over, oh, I mean, clearly I'm a screenwriter, but the overactive imagination of everything in my brain is so much more horrifying than probably anything that somebody could put on a screen. And so by being able to engage your audience's imagination and like almost hijack it mm -hmm. and be like, we're going to take that from you and, and mess with it and then put it back and then good luck at going to sleep tonight. That is what I, I really respect, even if I probably will say no if you invite me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just thinking a minute ago when you're talking about, you know, when you're a child and the way your brain reacts to movies is so interesting to me. Because I think some of the like times when I was a kid and couldn't fall asleep, it was because of weird things. It was because of like the fetus baby thing at the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, Ooh. like that gave me nightmares as a kid. So I was like, I don't like, I don't understand what I'm seeing. <laughs> right. yeah. Why is there a fetus? Why is it looking at me? Why is it in space? <laughs> right. Like, and like, that's actually like more deeply disturbing yeah. than like a normal scary thing in a movie. Right. So it's always interesting to me is, is that when movies can show you something that's not like objectively scary, but it yeah. tickles your brain in a way where it's like- Unknowable. Some, yeah. Something's, yeah, creepy and like an unknowable- 
awe mm-hmm. kind of way. I have, yeah. an, I have an amazing one of those. It's the scariest part of the exorcist for me. Trisha, cover your ears. Um, and it's none of the stuff you would think of. It's uh, Father Karras walks into the room and there's this whole drama with his mother. His mother, you know, I, why don't you come see me enough, blah, blah, blah. And then she passes away. Right. He comes into the room and on the bed, instead of Reagan tied to the bed, is just his mother sitting there sadly, like bathed in light. And it, no, that to me you. is so much scarier than right. any of the right. other stuff right. that's in that movie. That, that movie was another out. one. Yeah. When I wasn't even that young. I was like preteen. <laughs> but like I walked out, I, I like left the theater because they'd re-released it in theaters. And I like walked out like before it even like got super bad. But it mm-hmm. was just when she was getting like a spinal tap and like yeah, yeah. weird sounds. <laughs> yeah. The creepy yeah. sounds in the hospital. And she's going. It, I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is too much. Yeah. yeah. I feel like The Shining does that. For me. That's like yeah, the one sure. that, yeah. like at, at the end when everything's going crazy and there's just like the two men in the room or whoever and like with the bear yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it just yeah. turns and it's yeah. like no I don't like any of that why is this happening right. The Shining is scary in how it shows you what day of the week it is it's just like <laughs> Wednesday right. you're like oh god yeah. it can't be it's another day yeah, the, mo- the most recent movie that like like actually screwed me up like for like a 24 hour period was Hereditary mm. I heard that from people who saw like, it like it like it was one of those movies that felt, it felt like The Exorcist, where it was like, this movie feels evil. Like, mm. I felt like there was evil baked into this film. Right. And it was trans, like, transmitted to me. Oh, and I God. had to, like, shake it off, like, for a period of time. One of my good friends told me about something that happens in that movie. And uh-huh. I was like, what? Why? Why? Why did you just no, tell me that? At that I'm point so in the upset. movie, you kind of have to decide, are you going to stay with this movie or not? And I stayed with it. I peace out of that movie <laughs> and, every yeah. time. Any, any was, movie like yeah. that, if I'm that uncomfortable, I'm like, I gotta go. Like, right. I'm just not gonna do this because right. I don't have to. If I wanted to have a nightmare, I would just go to bed and have a nightmare. <laughs> like there was a moment, like I, I could, like I was, I was actually having trouble sleeping that night, which is very impressive. Like as like a grown adult now, that hasn't happened to me for a long time for right. a movie. And I was like, wow, like congratulations, director. Like <laughs> you did something to my brain that is like needs time to wear off. I can't believe that. Yeah, very impressive in a sickening way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mechanisms of horror, I think, are are really interesting and the different things that it triggers mm-hmm. in people. And, and I feel like that's, I think, again, why Shaun of the Dead is so clever is that it, it uses zombie, uh, you know, zombies and the zombie apocalypse in a scary way. Like watching it, I am tense and I'm afraid. But it is also, again, still tied to character. And it is like a manifestation of Sean's weakness of like, that's what he needs to stop being is, you know, a zombie in his life and mm-hmm. i like that's just such a clever double use of it that i feel like makes it even more interesting because i feel like a zombie movie mm-hmm. in general isn't that interesting to me right. but when it's being used to to tell a deeper story i think is what's impressive about that film it's also nice that it uses an existing language because uh, mm-hmm. they talked right. about how they, they, they went to Romero movies and said, here are the rules of how zombies work. We are going to stick with those rules to the point where the newscaster at the beginning is even saying the same things that uh, that the newscaster is saying and, you know, re- destroying the head or, or removing the head or destroying the brain. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's there's my favorite joke. This is one thing that made me fall in love with the movie uh, was if you ever see, watch Night of the Living Dead, the opening scene, the main character, Barbara and her brother are going to visit. I think their father's grave. Yeah. Um, and then she's really creeped out by being there. And uh, and he says, what are you worried about? And she says, nothing, Johnny. It's just scary. And he says, they're coming for you, Barbara. They're mm-hmm. coming to take, they're coming to get you. And she has like these like creepy gloves on. And she's like, stop it, Johnny. Um, so then there's a the moment, <laughs> there's the moment in Shaun of the Dead where Sean's mother, Barbara, is, you know, they're coming to get it. Like, they're like, okay, mom, just stay put, whatever. And then Ed grabs the phone from Sean and says, we're coming to get you, Barbara, and hangs up the phone. And like, first time I saw the movie, I was like, bravo. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> That's so Edgar uh, Wright. Right. They have all those yeah, things. Yeah. Deep but, cuts and everything. but then going back to how it um, ties in from like a screenwriting perspective is the fact that you don't have to spend too much time on the rules of the world because you can kind of guess that someone has either seen a zombie movie or is aware of aware of them enough to know there's only like three rules, but like, it's like pretty mm-hmm. basic, but it's kind of nice that you're not distracted by the story world too much because it's familiar in a sense. Although one thing that I was confused about in this movie is that none of the characters seem to have seen a zombie movie. They know the word zombie and they say it, but they don't reference any, they don't reference the rules. They don't reference any sort of like 
zombie, existing zombie like filmography, which I thought was so interesting because after having seen Hot Fuzz, Nick Frost's character in Hot Fuzz is an action movie fan. Right. And so they're mm. talking about action movies the whole time. And he's like, Point Break, bloody blah, which is the reason I love Point Break. You ever fired your gun, um, in, the gun, fired your gun in the air and gone, ah? Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And so there there does seem to be the that like sort of foundation of filmic knowledge built into the characters in Hot Fuzz. So I was sort of expecting that in Shaun of the Dead. And then I was like, have none of you seen a zombie movie? Like, wow. I don't understand. Yeah, you get this sense of like, it's so in some ways firmly planted in reality, mm-hmm. which they make a point about, you guys bring up in the video. And yet it's the first thing you would say like, oh, crap, there's a zombie there. Well, what are they doing in the movies, right? Like, it's the first thing that you would do. And it just seemed oddly absent, I thought, from this movie in a way that I kind of didn't. And it was like, surely Ed would be a zombie movie fan or like have seen one. Right. There's an interesting suspension of disbelief with movies where, you know, you watch Ocean's Eleven and no one goes, that guy looks exactly like George Clooney because the movie exists in our world, but a world without... George Clooney or Brad Pitt. And, and then when you... they tried to mess with it in Ocean's 12, exactly. nobody liked that. No, but, but it was... <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I liked it too. Because it, was such, because it was such an interesting play on the fact that in in movies that are supposed to be realistic and take place in our world, whenever you have an, a celebrity playing a character, then you have, to, you have to erase that, mm-hmm. that celebrity's existence from the movie, in, in, except in some cases. And I think that that was kind of the zombie joke in Shaun of the Dead was, are there any zombies out there? Don't say that. What? The Zed word? Just don't. Why not? Because it's ridiculous. I think it was sort of a joke that was trying to play with how come in every zombie movie, no one's seen a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then. But if there ever was a zombie movie in which they probably should have said there's zombie movies out there so we know what to do in this situation, right. you'd think it would be Shaun of the Dead. I agree, and I and I think that like I'm not I'm not going to defend that moment at all. <laughs> but 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 my guess is that that was what they were playing with with the moment was sort of like let's reference the fact these characters actually know what zombies are, but only in this one joke that then doesn't come back into play later, which arguably is sloppy or British, maybe I don't know British humor, but maybe it's <laughs> if we don't understand it, it's probably just British. It's probably British. That's what I'm telling myself. I, I think it's a very fair you know comment because because they do reference zombies they are aware of them you know all right cool well so uh really quick i'm just going to go around and uh extract from each of you what is a lesson that you will take away from this film that you can put into your own creative work or just something that made you think about things in a new way uh yeah what is a lesson you will take away from Shaun of the dead Alex, would you like to go first? <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, hmm. I, I, I think beyond the stuff that's already in the video, which I thought was really valuable, um, just it was really fun editing this video because it was like so easy to be like, this character goes with desire. This character goes with need. It was like so, so almost like it was, it was so right on the open, but it's so smooth in the story world. You don't notice how clean it is, actually, the way he, the characters so clearly represent these different polarities that the protagonist is dealing with. Anyway, besides that stuff, which I learned and appreciated, I think just once again, I came away creatively inspired by Edgar Wright's mastery of just when he does a movie, you just feel like everything is intentional. Everything is planned out to a T, even though it feels effortless and smooth and kind of out of control and just wild. You can tell that every shot is supposed to come where it goes because it's like a you know, it's wiping in from another shot or it's transitioning from another shot where he tilted down or tilted up or tilted to the side. So it's like, oh my God, like this feels effortless and like a crazy wild ride, but all of it was planned exactly. He didn't just shoot a bunch of angles and B-roll and then cut it together later and figure it out in post. It was actually pre-planned. And to have a movie work and not have to be rejiggered in post and just flow that way intentionally from the beginning, as as a director, I'm very impressed by that. And... I'm inspired to try to do do that myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Me, most of the time when I, I I like think back on a movie that I've watched, the thing I always want to sink my teeth into most is theme. This movie started with we we've been talking about how it started with character, but actually it really started with theme, right? It's like zombies themselves, and you guys talk about this in the video, but it's the one thing I respect most about this movie. I actually, guys. This movie's well made. It's, <laughs> it's 
might be a good movie. It's just not, <laughs> ne- not ever one time going to be my favorite movie. But they they really started with like, what do zombies mean, or what could they mean thematically? Like, what is sort of the mine here thematically? If we're trying to make a zombie movie, let's not just make it to make a zombie movie. Which I feel like again, that's a trap that writers sometimes fall into and not always up by their own fault, right? Like a studio's like, make us a movie that's this, this, this. And you're like, great. But like, let's say you do get an assignment like that. Make us a zombie movie that's set in Britain and whoever. But then saying, all right, so what is inherently the question here? Or what is the the potential for saying something bigger about life here? Um, instead of just you know, spinning our wheels and trying to do something as formulaic or quick as we can. And so I do appreciate that about this, that Sean is for all intents and purposes, a zombie and ends up ends up having to confront that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it is, I would say as a writer, I try to start with theme. And I know that we've talked about theme before and a writer's approach theme differently. There are plenty of screenwriters out there that are like, no, 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 other people do theme. I do story. Okay. <laughs> splitting hairs a bit, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, everything has a theme and everything has a story. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a story is. Um, but I did get into an argument about that the other day, but yeah, it's, what are we trying to say, mm-hmm. right? What would it be like if you were a lazy boyfriend giving up on your dreams or not doing anything that you said you were going to do? Isn't that rather like being a zombie? I like that mm-hmm. as an idea for a movie. For me, I was, uh, looking through Sid Field's screenplay, uh, for, you know, quotes and, and mentions of character and story world. And he has one of his chapters, the heading of the chapter is a quote from uh, the author Henry James from 1888 from an essay called The Art of Fiction. And the quote is, what is character but the determination of incident? What is incident but the illustration of character? Uh, So in my first draft, the first two sections, the titles were the determination of incident and uh, the illustration of character actually reversed. But um, because I thought that was really exciting to me, the idea of who why who is Sean he's the guy who's going to go through this zombie apocalypse but why are we having a zombie apocalypse because that's what is reflective of Sean and mm-hmm. i think that was what i really latched onto with this video was it's not just pick a character type from this box and then pick a, an idea from this box and we'll put them together it was this character and this world and the characters surrounding the character were all very much crafted to be part of the same bigger thing and i think that's what we were talking about some movies miss that where they're just here's some here's some stuff but this was very much uh here everything we're presenting to you is there for a reason and you're going to see how it interacts with every other piece of this story. i'm not saying like sean that's the best example of that in the world but it, it does do that really well and i think that's something mm. that it's going to stick with me for quite a while yeah yeah and i i'm impressed that they do it in this genre like i think that's mm-hmm. what's I keep coming back to is that it's it is this fun mishmash of genres that I think demonstrates what you can do kind of like what you were saying like people know what zombies are and what a zombie movie is so like let's use that and combine it with this kind of character story and make sure we hit all these beats but that feels very uh you know they are connected like you were saying like it's not arbitrary things it's like we're mm-hmm. telling a story Basically, I feel like I'm just summing up exactly what all of you guys said because I Yay! feel like those are yeah the the lessons that I I took away from it as well. I think it's it's again Trisha also maybe not my favorite movie ever, yeah. and I don't know that I'm gonna watch it again soon. But I feel like it is a really good clear example of how to execute a lot of these uh, screenwriting ideas in a way that doesn't just feel like, well, they went through and ticked all the boxes. It's mm-hmm. like the boxes mm-hmm. are ticked, but also they made a really fun, engaging movie that if you're an audience member just watching it, you're not thinking about like the screenwriting and this is so good. And I love that they did this. It's mm-hmm. it's a very engaging, there's a lot of momentum. It's a fun experience. And I, I think it's a good example of how you can write a good screenplay and have it be really fun and entertaining. And I feel like sometimes those are, treated as different ideas in some ways mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh okay cool so uh lastly really quick before we leave what's everyone watching this week what what should i watch this week uh what are you enjoying what would you recommend maybe i'll start with yeah. this one there's a new season of making a murderer and i feel like i swore off uh crime documentaries true crime stuff because i was like is this really good like is 
this is kind of like exploitative because I was really obsessed with the first season and serial and all that stuff and I heard they were making a second season and I was like oh god this this is kind of sad like really you're gonna be responding to that like no 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 but I'll watch the first episode and I'm completely hooked uh and I've watched like seven episodes in three days and haven't slept very much um but but I think it's because they're doing such a good job with doing a second season and responding to you know now they're in a time frame post the first season coming out and how they're kind of dealing with that and going deeper into the case in a way that I feel like is ultimately educational to people about the you know justice process in the country that I feel like it is a net positive for the world so making a murderer season two is what I'm is what I'm doing the most recent thing I saw was the new Halloween movie Mm. Um, which I really enjoyed. Uh, nothing mind blowing, but um, but if you were a fan of the original Halloween, uh, it was really fun and really well done, and just it felt like it did the did the thing of having uh, you know enough nostalgia and callbacks and you know stylistic callbacks, but giving you something new and having a really satisfying ending. And Jamie Lee Curtis was a badass. Yeah. So it was great. <laughs> Michael, were you a fan of the original Halloween? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Just I'm just checking. Yeah. I don't know. You don't like horror, so yeah, I like sub. I feel yeah. like there's, I like older horror. Okay. Like I feel like if there is an '80s '70s style of movie, I like. I feel like I like the way they did their horror thrillers. I, I feel like you would like the new Halloween. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I should check it out. I mean, the truth of what I've been wa- about what I've been watching is probably not helpful to anybody, because uh, so. I have like all the streaming services because I want to be able to watch everything. And one of the ones that we use is Canopy. And I don't know if anybody is using Canopy, but it's a lot of old, obscure films, foreign film, ton of foreign films and and all kinds of stuff. It's Canopy with a K. And I got on this weird kick where I started watching movies with this actor, Raymond Burr. Uh, If you're familiar with him, he was he plays like the the bad guy in Rear Window. And he has like this super crazy like creepy creepy look to him he's a he was like a huge dude and so then now i've seen like three or four raymond burr movies on canopy <laughs> so not helpful to anyone my my what was the best one i mean it was probably his kind of woman with jane russell really good you can catch it on canopy but then i also recently did watch my way through the new uh season the new like series picnic at hanging rock um with natalie dormer which is i think on you can Look it up. Ask the Google. The Google Internet. will know. Yeah. yeah. I love the original movie, Picnic at Hanging Rock from the 70s. You all are staring at me like you haven't seen it. No. I have not. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Start with the movie from the 70s. It's excellent. And then the miniseries is a really interesting take on it. Nothing for me can beat the original movie, but the miniseries does play with the characters and the world in a really interesting way. It's like a, It's not actually a true story but it acts like it's a true story. And it's about these girls that went missing at a St. Valentine's day picnic in 1900 in Australia. And like what happened to them has sort of been this eternal mystery. And the movie explores it. The series explores it. It's fascinating just to see the different ways that that story has captured different filmmakers imaginations and the way the characters and the story sort of plays out. Go ahead, Brian. (laughs) Thanks. Well, before I talk about what I liked, I will talk about what I watched most recently, which is the second season of Westworld, finally. Oh. Uh, Which I didn't, I'm not going (laughs) to say I disliked. I don't want to like necessarily jump on the bandwagon. I thought there was a lot of it that was a lot of fun uh, and a lot of it that was linear enough that it wasn't too much. But I think (laughs) both the first season and the second season just packed all of their mystery and and revelation or all of the revelations and everything into like the last 30 minutes of the last episode and it's like where a lot of things you watch and you're like there wasn't enough going on in that this one was just like there's too much i don't care like and it is an interesting thing to talk about because you can talk about how screenplays are very careful in like something Shaun of the dead placing things in the right places and being very clever this is going to later come back to be this but then there's also like how much can the human brain handle all at once right Um, right like i can't i can't store all of the callbacks right that you want me to know you're referencing from season one episode one or right and it's the kind of thing of like if i went back and watched it a second time maybe i would love it but i don't feel compelled to and that's the problem it's the problem that like i feel like exhausted by the end of a season of westworld rather than feeling excited you know i feel like it was work yeah like i it was i was like i want to get to the end of this i want to see what what this is right but like i feel like i'm working to get there which is not the feeling you want right Uh, yeah 
Um, but what I did watch and really liked recently was this movie, uh, Short Term 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You hadn't seen it? I hadn't. It's weird because it's one of those movies that I feel like when I jump on like a movie forum or something like that, everyone's like, oh my gosh, best movie of the last blah, blah, blah. And everyone loves Short Term 12. And I'm like, I never heard of this. And then I look up the cast hmm. and it's Brie Larson. And, oh. uh, it's and one of her early yeah, yeah, breakout roles. It, like an incredible performance from her. And Rami a lot Malik. Of, yeah, a lot of other mm. actors that are like hmm. bigger now. Um, the guy... I've, Dan Gallagher is that his name? Yeah, uh, from newsroom. newsroom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So and and it's I don't have a lot to say about it other than I really enjoyed it and I'm I'm glad I finally got around to watching a movie that I that somehow just slipped by me when it came out uh, five six years ago something yeah. like that. It's like yeah. a really nice good indie film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, yeah. Thank you, listener, for joining us today for this discussion of Shaun of the Dead and many other things. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey guys, Michael here. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Make sure to subscribe to Beyond the Screenplay wherever you get your podcasts. And hit us up on Twitter to share any feedback you have. What you want more of, what you want less of, etc. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>